Welcome to the Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. It's about the Bills and the beer. Now, here's your host, John Murphy. Well, here we go, Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff, the podcast. John Murphy here, play-by-play radio voice of the Buffalo Bills. And this is our 20th podcast, believe it or not, 20. It's a good one, too. Now, the Bills season is over, ended last Sunday with the 38-24 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. A great season for the Bills. Not a great finish. Not a great end. We're going to talk a lot about that today with our special guest. We've got Kim Jones, longtime reporter for the NFL Network. She's spent the last eight years there. She kind of focuses on teams in the Northeast. She's been around the Bills for years. We're going to get an outside national perspective on where she thinks the Bills' 2020 season went right, where it went wrong at the end, what they accomplished, and what's next, what's left to come for the Buffalo Bills. Kim Jones is going to join us. I've been a fan of hers for years. I remember watching her cover the New York Yankees on the Yes Network. About She did that about seven years. I always appreciated her approach. Now, with the Yankees back then, with the Derek Jeter-led Yankees, she's surrounded by a team full of superstars. And Kim Jones always was great, always very professional. Uh, I think Kim Jones brings that same professional approach to covering the NFL and the Buffalo Bills. We're going to talk with Kim Jones in a moment. We're going to talk with her about the Bills. We're going to talk about the end of their fantastic 2020 season. I've got a few thoughts on that. A very disappointing way that it ended, wasn't it? It was a letdown. And after so many highs during the course of the regular season, the Bills, as it turned out, were not really all that competitive against the Chiefs, who established themselves as the best team in the NFL, certainly better than the Buffalo Bills. What went wrong for the Bills in Kansas City? Virtually everything. Quarterback play, though, especially. The matchup between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes I think that may have been at the top of the list of what went wrong. Not the only reason why the Bills lost. There were plenty. But I do think quarterback play was really the thing that stood out to me. Now, this is going to be a future rivalry, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a great rivalry. They will play in high-stakes games for years and years, you would think. And as it turns out, Josh just wasn't up to it. He wasn't Mahomes uh, equal, nearly as equal at all for the second time this year. I just felt like Josh wasn't seeing the field well. He wasn't reading coverages. He was not making good or fast decisions. I mean, think about it. He called a ton of audibles in the first half. Was he confused? Did he not recognize what he was seeing? Not sure. It turned out he was totally outplayed by Patrick Mahomes. Not the only factor, but I think maybe the biggest factor in Buffalo's defeat, Josh Allen's play. I think Kansas City's team speed was a mismatch for the Buffalo Bills. It would be for anybody in the NFL. You talk about Tyreek Hill. We're looking at 71-yard completion, that slant pattern inside. He just ran over the middle, ran right by Taron Johnson, and got 71 yards in the third quarter. I thought Mikal Hardman with his 50-yard run was spectacular. Again, team speed. Even Travis Kelsey, who's got speed and size, he's a monumental tight end. They had no matchup for him. They tried everybody. Tredavious White, Matt Milano, no one could keep up with Travis Kelsey. Kansas City's team speed was a big mismatch for the Bills. I thought the Chiefs' defensive line, in particular uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, I thought they were nearly dominant dominant in the game. I thought that was a mismatch for the Buffalo Bills. The offensive line did not have the answer for those two, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and they were dominant throughout the course of the game. A lot of talk this week about the Bills, uh, a couple of strategic decisions, a couple of field goal tries. Second quarter, end of the half, Bills had fourth and goal at the Kansas City 2 and instead of going for it on fourth and goal, they kicked a field goal. Okay, I, I could defend either way. And look, Sean McDermott has made no mistake about it. He said, I was going for points 
We needed points at that part of the game. I think he's right, by the way, at that one especially. I think he's right. Then in the third quarter, the Bills had fourth and three at the Kansas City 8. And again, McDermott chose points. Now, even he admitted on Tuesday of this past week that maybe that's the one he would have thought differently about a little bit later in the game. The time is a factor. The fact that it's fourth and three at the Kansas City 8, maybe he would have gone for it then. Instead, he elected to take a field goal, and he's getting roasted in some quarters, which I think either either decision is defensible. The one that still sticks with me was the, um, the decision to go for um, to go for the two-point conversion in the fourth quarter. I don't get that. Uh, they score a touchdown, they go for the two-point conversion. Um, I just didn't understand it. I thought that may have been the, the one part where I would question what uh, McDermott uh, had in mind for the Buffalo Bills. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. You know, another thing that uh, worked against the Bills in this game was field position. They never had good field position. They were always starting these series from their own 25-yard line or worse. That's a factor, you know, to look at a big field, a, a, a huge field when you're trying to get first downs and trying to score points. All of those contributed to the Buffalo's loss. And you look back at the season now, the 2020 season, a lot of people looking at the turning point of the season, maybe the big moment of the season. Taron Johnson's 101-yard interception return for a touchdown against Baltimore. Clearly, that's the biggest play of the season. Won that game, stopped Baltimore's threat, won that game. Maybe the one of the biggest plays, it is one of the biggest plays in franchise history. My favorite image of the season was Bill Belichick when the Bills were beating the Patriots in New England late in the season, December 28th. Bill Belichick being so disgusted during a timeout that he turned and threw his, uh, he threw his telephone up against, the, uh, up against the wall behind the bench. I thought that was great, and I thought it was an important, important symbol of the changing of the guard in the division. But as far as a moment of the year and maybe an early turning point, I do keep thinking about way back when, early in the season, week three. The 2-0 Bills against the 2-0 Rams in Orchard Park. A game where the Bills came out like uh, gangbusters. They built a 25-point lead in, in, early in the third quarter. And yet the Rams came back. L.A. led late in the fourth quarter. The Bills had to pull it out on a Josh Allen touchdown pass to Tyler Croft in the fourth quarter. I thought it was a good recovery, a really solid recovery against a good team. The L.A. Rams were a playoff team. They're just a year removed from their Super Bowl appearance. They came back, wiped out a 25-point deficit, and had the Bills reeling. And yet Buffalo knew what it was like and learned what it was like that day to hang in there. First of all, they learned that they could compete with the Super Bowl contender like the Rams. They learned they could build an early lead on the Rams, as they did. They could give up that lead and still come back and win the game. I thought that was an important tone setter for the Buffalo Bills in 2020. They realized that they have this explosive component to their offense, that they could almost push a button and tap into that at any point. I thought that was important. They realized they can play with anybody. I thought that win over the Rams back on September 27th was one of the great moments of the season for the Bills. There were a lot of them. And now the Bills have a lot of work to do. They got to sign their own. They got to draft well. As far as their own players, they have some offensive linemen that they have to make decisions on. Ike Butker for one of them, John Feliciano for another one, Daryl Williams for a third. It's all starters. All of them's contracts come up at the end of the season. The Bills have to decide what to do with them. But I think the most important player for the team to re-sign is linebacker Matt Milano. And I'll be honest with you, I would not have said that halfway through the season. I think Milano demonstrated late in the season and in the playoffs how valuable he is, how good he can be. When he was healthy, when he was extremely motivated to play well looking at next season, I thought Milano, a fast coverage linebacker who makes plays, was exactly what the Bills needed down the stretch. He was an important part of a pretty good, not great, but a pretty good Buffalo defense. He's a good complement to Tremaine Edmonds, 
who needs all the help he can get. Edmonds has his own limitations. So if you make a list of who to re-sign, the players whose contracts come up this year at the top of my list would be Matt Milano, and I think uh, many other people's lists as well. Bills have a lot of work to do, however. They got holes to plug. You know, you think of a 13-win regular season, you think, uh, okay, well, just let's toss out the ball. Let's go. Let's start it up again next year. No. They've got holes to plug. Are they going to lose coaches? Leslie Frazier, rumored to be going to Houston. They need personnel as well. I think they're going to need defensive line help, in particular pass rush help. I think they could use some offensive uh, line help. They probably need a new running back, at least a, a compliment to Singletary and Zach Moss. Look, the foundation's in place. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Deion Dawkins, Tremaine Edwards, Tredavious White. The foundation is in place. Now they have to try to build around that foundation and try to do it again. It's a tall task. You know, you start from zero, and the Bills know that more than anybody else. Got a lot more Bills talk coming up with Kim Jones from NFL Network moments away. Our sponsors, Sullivan's Brewing Company, based in Kilkenny, Ireland, the makers of Sullivan's Maltings Irish Red Ale, Sullivan's Irish Gold Ale, and Sullivan's Black Marble Stout. Available in stores and taverns here in upstate New York in Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Utica, Albany, the Saratoga region. Available in New York City on Long Island. Available in Jersey. Actually, uh, Sullivan's is really taking off all over New Jersey these days. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. You can find Sullivan's there. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sullivan's is available in Georgia, in Atlanta, and at Savannah. Look for it in your favorite stores. Ask for it. Sullivan's. They've been sponsoring the Bills kickoffs every week on the Bills Radio Network. Every week, I'd say, right before kickoff, raise a glass of Sullivan's for the AFC champion Buffalo Bills. That was fun. I hope you did get a chance to raise a glass of Sullivan's to honor the AFC champion Buffalo Bills, AFC East champion Buffalo Bills. If you've got feedback on our show, we're always open to it. Our email address, sullivansprofootballkickoff.com. This one word, sullivansprofootballkickoff.com. Send us ideas you may have for future guests. For NFL or beer guests, critiques, criticism, or overdo it all, shoot us an email. Let us know what you think about the show. When we come back, Kim Jones from NFL Network will talk about the Bills and preview the Super Bowl when we return. You're listening to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff with your host, John Murphy. On the line with us, our guest is an eight-year reporter for NFL Network. She spent seven years before that with uh, the Yes Network covering the Yankees. She's covered the Giants for the Newark Star-Ledger. She's a host on WFAN, uh, WFAN in New York. Kimberly Jones. Kim Jones is our guest. She spends a lot of time covering the Buffalo Bills. Kim, thank you very much for coming on. John, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, you covered the AFC Championship game, the run-up to the game, the Bills at Kansas City last weekend. Are you as let down as at the Bills' performance? Not that you're a fan, but I, I think most of us expected more from the Buffalo Bills last Sunday. Yeah, I just I guess I thought that they they looked a little different than they had. Uh, you know, if you just want to talk playoff games in the two other playoff games against the Ravens, which are a different team to prepare for, and of course the Colts, who um, while they have a wily veteran quarterback who's since retired in Phillip Rivers obviously don't have the the same kind of challenge at quarterback no one in the league has that challenge at quarterback John in Patrick Mahomes so except for the Chiefs so you know yeah I I kind of thought um first of all I thought the game would be closer I thought it would be one of those where you know both teams had a chance to win in the final five minutes type of thing uh I was you know obviously wrong about that uh, and I think uh, when Sean McDermott said, you know, we didn't play our best game, I mean, I mean, I think he was being honest about that. I, I also said, 
you know, I guess it was Monday on NFL Network. You know, I think the Bills will be back. I mean, I, you know, you can't guarantee, oh, they'll be back in the championship game next year. But there's no doubt that this franchise is on the right path and has done a lot of the right things that make it now a team we can consider a contender on a regular basis. That's That I have no doubt about. But the game itself, I could certainly understand the Bills, Bills fans, and really football fans being a little disappointed. They did not give us the best of the Bills which you and I have seen at different parts of the year, particularly in Orchard Park, uh, which might also, by the way, speak to the importance of home field advantage, yeah. which might be another lesson, you know, that this this relatively young and in some cases very young Bills team is learning. Kim, you went right to the, the matchup of the quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Um most of us expect uh, last Sunday was the first of what should be many meetings between these two for very high stakes uh, games. What do you think? Is that reasonable to expect? Absolutely. I think that the biggest takeaway for me for the Bills this season is there's no doubt they have their franchise quarterback. And if people are saying, well, they, you know, for where they, they traded up to draft Josh, you know, he should be. I get all of that. But look around the league. You know, I sense, uh, you know, and you're you're listeners may or may not give a darn about the Browns, John, but, you know, I think the Browns left their season believing more in Baker than that regime did perhaps at the beginning of the year and that he showed them something. And especially with a good running game, look what he can do. Well, I think that Josh, you know, surpassed what anyone could have said were the benchmarks for Josh this season in completion percentage, in touchdowns thrown, in the way he played against the blitz, um, in, in, you know, the weapons he had and utilizing the playmakers he had. I don't think there would have been any forecast in August that would have expected more out of Josh Allen than what he gave the Bills this season. So, and especially based on uh, the championship game this past weekend, what's the next step for Josh Allen? What does he have to do now, do you think? I do think having been there before will help. I mean, I do, I, you know, there's no substitute for experience, and I, I do think that. Um, you know, Patrick didn't go all, all the way the first time, right? Um, so, you know, I do think for Josh having been there, I, I think that you will see the Bills supplement where they need to. Obviously, the offensive line could change a little bit. I think you look at their weapons and you think they're mostly set. Certainly, you look at the running game. Uh, and while this is a passing team, and I understand that, uh, you could certainly look for some ways for the running game uh, to be more consistent for you. Um, Zach Moss being healthy may or may not have helped that down the stretch. We, you know, that we won't know. But defensively you know you and I could talk John certainly in terms of the pass rush and 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 sort of a dominant figure up front I think the Bills are looking for that that would be looking for that um I would love to know how they truly would would uh evaluate Ed Oliver I do think sometimes on that interior of the D-line it's really hard for those of us watching a game to say that guy's playing really well and you know look at him dominating whether he has the stats or not but, um, you know, I, I can certainly see some places, and I think you could, John, and I think Bills fans could too, on that defense that need to be supplemented. One more question about Josh Kim, and I've heard you say this a couple of times over the last week. You talked about his self-awareness and how important it is for Josh that he is so self-aware. Why is that important, and how does that benefit him as, as a quarterback in the league? I have to believe this, John, um, and I do believe it. I think when a young quarterback is drafted – and he acclimates into his new locker room and all eyes are on him. And those are some veteran eyes on him. 
I think they watch everything a young quarterback does. And back in 2018, obviously I wasn't around that much, but I watched Josh Allen as much as I could. And I asked veteran teammates about Josh Allen as much as I could. Did so in 2019 as well. And this year, of course, a different year on Zoom. Josh Allen has always taken ownership of his mistakes. He has always said, I have to play better. Not every quarterback does that. A lot of quarterbacks say we, a lot of quarterbacks deflect. A lot of quarterbacks um, over the years that I've, I've been around just don't have it in them to say, I have to play better. It's much more of a we. And I understand football is the ultimate team game, so I'm not discounting the we in football. I do think it can be powerful, and I do think it was 100% and is 100% genuine from Josh that when he makes a mistake, he owns up to it both in his locker room and with the media by using the pronoun I. And I just think for a young man uh, who didn't come up through the biggest of college programs, we all know Josh's path, I think that is a great credit to him, uh, and I would probably include his upbringing in that, that he has what I consider that to be the self-awareness to say, I have to do my job at a certain level, and when I don't, I have to take ownership of it. And rarely do you hear Josh Allen chirp about himself. He loves to see, you know, Stefan Diggs on that go route against the Colts. He loves to see the defense making a big play like they did against Lamar. He loves all of that. And he'll talk about that, all of that all the time, if you ask him about it. But I think when he takes ownership of not being at the standard he and others have set for himself, I think that's powerful. I think it's effective. And most importantly from him, I think it's genuine. Hey, Kim, you talked a minute ago about the rest of the team, I guess, and the Bills overall areas of improvement needed. I wondered, it, it struck me a couple of times and Admittedly, the Bills only lost a couple of regular season games, but I worried in particular going into the Baltimore game, which they won, but I worried if the Buffalo Bills were, were physical enough and, and really both uh, the offensive and defensive lines. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the running game this year had some starts and stops that I don't think would all be fair to put on the front, but I can certainly see – listen – they signed Daryl Williams for what? $4 million, a one-year deal. He gave him every snap at right tackle. They weren't all perfect, but he gave him every snap at right tackle. And he might've made the biggest play of the Bills season recovering Josh Allen's fumble against the Colts. So, you know, John, you know, am I going to sit here and say, well, they've got to extend Daryl Williams, you know, a six-year deal. I'm not saying that. I am saying though, that for a guy in that situation, he, I think he gave you a pretty credible season. I think if you talk to teammates, he worked really hard. Uh, and no, it wasn't all perfect. And I think John Feliciano might also be a free agent. Yep. I know that he's very popular in that building as well. Um, you know, are they perfect players? You know, I would say no, because none of them are. You're just like, I'm not a perfect uh, reporter. But they, you know, listen, I do think you give up some of that brawn physicality we're gonna stuff them into the ground when you're a passing team but i also think that's okay you know you didn't get stefan Diggs so that he could block for a running back getting three yards so i i think that this is a different bills team right it's a different even if you want to if you want to go back to jim kelly and andre reed and bruce smith and great teams if you want to go back to that you have to do it under the prism that the NFL has changed. It's not the Bills who've said, you know, forget all of that, we're doing it our way. The Bills have changed with the times. And in that, 
I think you have to give Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott about as much credit as anybody. Last year, they left that Houston game saying we didn't score enough points, obviously, but they settled for too many field goals. What they do? They traded for Stefan Diggs. Curiously, this year, field goals hurt them again, although I, I don't know. You know, I think it's hard to say, John, you know, if they had just converted, boy, that would have been a different game. I mean, I think that game was trending, you know, the way it ended for a while. But you know that being a McDermott uh, with the Pagula's blessing uh, will address what they need to address. And, and if physicality up front, and just real quickly, since you asked about both, yes, I do think the defensive line needs some of that. I, you know, I think they missed Jordan Phillips this year. Uh, nine and a half sacks from the interior of a D-line, you're going to miss it. Again, he was a one-year, $4 million contract from Bean, got the absolute most out of him, and he went to Arizona and signed three years for 30 mil. The Bills weren't going to compete with that contract number. Hey, Kim, before we leave Sunday's game, and you, you already touched on it a little bit, the uh, the Bills' uh, decision, Sean McDermott's decision to go for it, fourth and goal at the Kansas City 2, fourth and uh, three at the, at the Kansas City 8. Your thoughts on those decisions by McDermott? Some people some people are calling it cowardice, which I think is a little bit uh, harsh. But, but some people suggested maybe it, it set the tone and maybe uh, caused some discomfort and maybe some self-doubt among uh, Sean McDermott's players. What do you make of that? Well, you know, that, that's, that I don't know, you know, about the dis, you know, dis, uh, discontent or, you know, yeah. not, not, not knowing about confidence level. Um, here's what I would say. I thought in watching the game, exactly what Sean ended up saying that he wanted the points before halftime, John, you and I have been doing this a long time. We've heard a gazillion coaches over the years say, we wanted to take the points going into halftime. You want right, to go into right. halftime on a high. I did think coming out of halftime, you had to go for it. And I can understand the Buffalo Bills fan or the football fan out there saying, you're an underdog, you're in Kansas City, Patrick's rolling and the toe's not an issue. This was not a compromise, Patrick Mahomes, on Sunday. Right. You've got to go for it every chance you get. I will, I will tell you, I would have been okay with that. Even if he went for it before half, didn't get it. Even if he went for it after half, didn't get it. I would have understood the decision because I think they were going to have to be aggressive to win that game. And at that point, to kind of get back in that game. But the going into halftime with points is one that we've heard so many coaches say over the years. That was what I expected him to do, and he did it. Does he regret it? He said he regretted at least one of them, and that was the one in the second half. You know, I, I here's where, and, and this goes back to our earlier part of the conversation, John, here's where I did think the Bills were slightly out of character from what we've seen recently, is I thought they were a little more reactive against the Chiefs. And right. I understand it. The, the Chiefs are a snowball rolling downhill, you know, and you're standing there with, a, a, you know, with a, hoping you have enough shovels. I get it. I really do. But, you know, to some degree... Sean McDermott had become a little bit more of a gambler. Um, and maybe that's much easier to do on your home field with 7,600 people who I swear to God sounded like 50,000 people at Orchard Park. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess my short version is I understood it. My, my, my add-on would be, you know, in that spot, if you say, hey, hey we, we, gotta, we gotta throw convention out of the window and, and, and go crazy here because we need to get back in this thing. I would have understood that too. Hey, Cam, a question about Sean McDermott, and, and you've been around this team uh, quite a bit over uh, McDermott's yeah. four-year tenure now. Um, he was 
sort of ridiculed in many places, including here in Buffalo, when he talked a lot about establishing a culture with the Buffalo Bills. Four years later, I think that culture is real. Do you agree? I do think culture, I think culture is real. Um, yes, and I think Sean sets a very, here, here's what I think Sean and Brandon do the best. They empower players by saying this. We have some rules. And I don't know all their rules, John, but I'm guessing they're things like be on time, prepare. You know, I know it's due 111th because I know they're big on the 111th thing and and be a good teammate. Like, so I'm guessing like somewhere in the umbrella of the Bills rules for players, we're, we're kind of getting to it with those couple of things. Other than that, they've done a really good job of having players buy into the idea of be the best version of yourself. And initially when you hear that, you know, if, if you give like half an eye roll, I kind of understand it. But I think when you hear Tredavious White tell us Monday after the championship game that on the plane ride home, he said to his teammates, fellas, I did the best I could to be the, my best version of myself for you guys. It, it resonates, John, and the players aren't rolling their eyes. And that's the most important part. So I do think when they're dancing to MC Hammer and Jordan Poyer says they had a, foot, uh, a, a snowball fight the, the Friday before that, we just all didn't see it because it wasn't on camera. You yeah. know, I, I do think this is a team that has, A, allowed its players to be who they are and, and really benefited from that. I think being comfortable at work is a big deal. I really do. And when you hear veterans like a Micah Hyde, uh, but also rookies like a Gabriel Davis, and I, I think he's a special rookie, but he is a rookie. You know, he, I, I can't make him a, a three-year veteran yet. Right. Um, kind of embrace all of this. I, I, I do think they're doing something right. I think cultures, you know, you know how culture is, John. We use it as like this umbrella word. Um, and some teams use it as a rallying cry. I don't think culture can be a rallying cry. I think culture is what, you build in your facility, in your locker room. And then on the field, we see the benefits or the shortcomings in that. That's what I think of culture as. Hey, Kim, uh, you, for the NFL Network, you cover a lot of the Northeastern teams, including the New York Jets, who introduced yep. their new head coach, Robert Sala, the other day. Yep. Uh, Woody Johnson's coming back from the United Kingdom now to, to run the ship. Uh, what do you see ahead for the New York Jets? Uh, how, how long will it take for them to rebound from where they've been? I think a little while, John, I do. You know, Joe Douglas got that six-year contract. I think he's starting. It's hard to remember the years, John. Um, I guess he's into year two at this point. So, okay. you know, he's got a long contract. Salah's got a long contract. Um, their biggest decision, obviously, this offseason personnel-wise is Sam Darnold. Uh, Salah sounded like a guy who, when he prepared for the Jets last year in September to play Sam Darnold, was very impressed with Sam. And some people on Twitter will say, you know, God, I hate quoting Twitter, but Twitter will yeah. say, well, they're just greasing the skids to trade him. I mean, that's so like, like old school, like methodology. Like, I, I don't know about that. I don't know. You know, I, I think he, he really meant when he said some of those things about Sam and his arm talent and his smarts and, you know, uh, the idea that he, you know, you can get a lot out of Sam. That's their biggest decision. And then they have to do what Joe Douglas actually promised Sam's parents he would do, you know, a year or two ago. And that was build around him. My guess right now would be that's what they do. I don't know that you like any of these quarterbacks in the draft 
that much to, to make it a complete rebuild in that respect. Um, unless it was Trevor Lawrence, of course, and it's not. So I, my, my hunches, they build around Sam, my hunches, they obviously, they also, excuse me, build around Sala. He is the kind of leader they haven't had for a while. An all encompassing guy. I thought he was slightly nervous at his introductory zoom press conference. There's no shame in that obviously, but he will get more comfortable. And he's a, he's a very charismatic figure. Players have said that teams have said that. So um, I do think they have, they have a long way to go in the NFL. You can, you can surprise people, you know, with a, with a good burst uh, jets fans would love some wins to celebrate this year, but, but I do think it's, it's a long process. Last thing, Kim, uh, the, uh, you mentioned zoom news conferences. We approached the super bowl and the coverage is going to be different. The run up to the super bowl is going to be a lot different yes. this year. How, how do you think that'll go over for, uh, you know, the bucks versus the chiefs? What do you, how do you think it'll, it'll work? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I, John, I heard it yesterday and now I'm not sure I have the specifics right. I believe the Chiefs are flying in the night before the game, yeah. or, or, you know, or, or maybe Friday. I, you know, my mind's playing a trick on me now. I'm not sure. sure if it was Friday or Saturday. Either way, that's considerably different, sure. you know, from any other Super Bowl. Um, obviously, the Bucks live there, so they don't have to fly in. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think at this point we've all just accepted it. It's obviously not ideal. I do think coaches and players that I've dealt with this season, um, and I've dealt with a bunch of teams, the Bills the most at this point, which is fine with me, but but a lot of other teams, I do think by and large coaches and players have done a really good job understanding that this isn't great for any of us in terms of access. And I think a lot of them have gone out of their way to be great, frankly, on Zoom, and that's much appreciated. But I think it's going to be different, you know. I'll yeah. fly into Tampa to be there late in the week, you know, as opposed to being there early in the week for media day and that sort of thing. And I'm sure it'll be a smaller media contingent by far in Tampa. Yep. Well, we wish you luck down there, Kim. We, we uh, thank you very much for uh, carving out some time for us today. I'm a big uh, fan of your work and, and keep it up. Uh, have a great Super Bowl. Thanks very much. Thanks, John. I always love talking with you anytime, my friend. Thank you. Well, our thanks to Kim Jones from the NFL Network. Looking forward to her reports from the Super Bowl coming up in the next week or so. It's different now, as she said. Going to be totally different for the Super Bowl. No more media day in in the Super Bowl city. No more uh, radio row. The entire coverage of the Super Bowl is going to be drastically changed. I don't know how much it'll change uh, people's appreciation for the game. Maybe this changes for a while in a major way. But again, our thanks to Kim Jones. I really appreciated her perspective on the Bills. She kind of has a national uh, look at the Buffalo Bills, especially on the second guessing that Sean uh, McDermott's getting on his field goal attempts from a fourth and goal at the two and fourth and three at the eight. And I get it. People can second guess it. But I do appreciate Kim's approach with you can defend it the other way too. Sean has done it. And it is easily defensible to say, take the points, go for the points. You need points before you get to the locker room at halftime. I just think it's important to hear a different perspective than what you may get in some quarters about those decisions. Were they too cautious? Yeah. In retrospect, maybe. And when you look at the final score, 38-24, to 24, it's easy to say, oh, you should have gone for it there, you should have gone for it here. But uh, you're making decisions in real time. And it's just good to hear Kim Jones' perspective. I thought it was important to hear from uh, Kim Jones about that. Hey, if you have thoughts on our show, feedback, we're open to it. Send us an email at sullivansprofootballkickoff.com. Just one word. We'll take your ideas on who you'd like to hear on the podcast, some guests, maybe beer guests or NFL guests, Super Bowl guests for next week. Any critiques you have, any criticism you have, send us an email, sullivansprofootballkickoff.com. Um, we're getting set for uh, Super Bowl week next week. We'll be back with another show next week. We're brought to you by 
Sullivan's Brewing Company. They're based in Kilkenny, Ireland. They make Sullivan's Maltings Irish Red Ale, Sullivan's Irish Gold Ale, and Sullivan's Black Marble Stout. It's available all over the place in stores and taverns all over upstate New York, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Utica, Albany, in the Saratoga region, in the Adirondacks. It's available in New York City and on Long Island. It's available in New Jersey, in Cleveland, in Columbus, Ohio, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in Atlanta, and Savannah. Look for Sullivan's. Ask for Sullivan's. They're the sponsors of the Pro Football Kickoff each week. I want to thank our producer, Pat Velball. We'll see you next week for another installment of Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. You've been listening to John Murphy and Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. It's all about the Bills and the Beards.